Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And today it is time for an emergency edition of the podcast. We are sitting here on a night where the Tar Heels have lost their offensive coordinator, they have lost their offensive line coach, they've lost another cornerback in a room that has now been cut in half in terms of the scholarship players that they had just four days ago. And they do have some good news. Quarterback Drake May is returning for the 2023 season. We have a special guest that is going to be on with us here in just a moment. But let me set the stage a little bit, kind of tell you guys what exactly has happened so far today. And it started right around a little after 5 o'clock. Reports from Fox Sports' Bruce Feldman that Phil Longo uh, is going to be taking the offensive coordinator job under new Wisconsin Badgers head coach Luke Fickle. This is a guy that he does have a previous relationship with, um, and it's something that I, I guess... You know, what was a possibility all along that a lot of people did not consider. There were rumors that were pointing to a couple of other schools, but it never really felt like this was going to be a possibility. And now, not only does he go, but he takes offensive line coach Jack McNell Jr., who uh, he has a strong relationship with, was really, you know, the reason that Jack McNell Jr. was brought to Chapel Hill uh, this past offseason to try to help an offensive line that had really been struggling in the last couple of years under Stacy Searles. So now both of those guys are departing. Meanwhile, just a few minutes after that, once all of that was sort of set in stone with the report of, uh, of, of Bicknell Jr. joining him, then you get the report that Storm Duck is entering the transfer portal. And this is uh, this is huge. Uh, as of yesterday, I know some of the rumors that, that I heard 
Um, some of the people that uh, I, I've talked to were saying that he was staying. Um, most people thought that that was a move that was going uh, to happen. He was going to stay in place, and he, it would be him, DeAndre Boykins, uh, as well as Legend Cavazos and Marcus Allen, who would be a part of that defensive backfield, that cornerback group, I should say, in the bowl game. But now that doesn't appear to be the case. Storm Duck is in the transfer portal. Carolina's defensive backfield going to have to go through a complete overhaul. Seven total transfers, but five of them in the cornerback room, including the team's two starters this season. Tony Grimes also in there, as you guys know, uh, on Monday and this one is huge. Carolina now, uh, you know, losing a guy that was progressing towards the end of the season, and it definitely has to start bringing up some questions about what is going on with that defensive side of the football, especially in that defensive back room and especially at cornerback. That's a group that is coached by Dre Bly. Um, he has struggled to develop guys over these the last few years. You've seen both Storm Duck and Tony Grimes come in as freshmen and look really, really promising, but have never really grown since then. And so now I think there are going to be some people that are going to wonder, you know, what exactly does Carolina do at that cornerback spot? Um, you would imagine that they have to go in and, and find a couple of transfers there. Um, I think that's, that's pretty much inevitable at this point that if Carolina wants to have any chance of rallying themselves here, um, you know, for next season at the defensive, at that cornerback position, really defensive backs as a whole. I still think Carolina, even with Will Hardy back there, who showed some nice promise at the end of the season, and Don Chapman, I think Carolina will probably still want to potentially add at least one more guy there, especially with safety being a spot where they only bring in one recruit in this class. Cornerback, they do bring in three. But Carolina is looking hard at the possibility uh, of bringing in other guys. One guy uh, that did confirm or that it has been um, confirmed inside Carolina reported this earlier today. Uh, Elijah Huzzy uh, entered the transfer portal from East Tennessee State uh, earlier in the cycle. And uh, he's a guy that's an All-American, All-Conference performer. And uh, he finished this past season with 59 total tackles, six interceptions, and 22 pass deflections. So he is definitely a guy that Carolina is, is interested in for good reason and appears like they are going to be hosting him this weekend. That would be huge for Carolina if they could go ahead and at least get one back and sort of calm the masses just a little bit. Um, again, they, they went from in the game on Saturday night, even though guys did not play and it seemed pretty self-explanatory that a lot of these guys were probably going to be making moves, Carolina entered that game with 10 scholarship cornerbacks. Carolina, as of right now, will enter the bowl game, the Holiday Bowl against Oregon, with five scholarship cornerbacks. And one of those scholarship cornerbacks, Teon Holloway, was a guy that came into the season banged up. It is unclear as to whether or not he would even be available to play. That would leave Carolina with four guys that we know for sure would be active 
for the bowl game. Of course, Legend Cavazos, who started the last game for Carolina, alongside true freshman Marcus Allen. Both of those guys showed some good things against Clemson, but were a little bit hit and miss. And then also, DeAndre Boykins in the nickel. Outside of him, it would be Obi Egbuna, the senior who has been a part of Carolina's defensive backfield for a while now. Uh, one of the guys that Drake ben, or, or that Dre Bly, excuse me, prioritized uh, bringing in when he first arrived to campus back in 2019, and a guy that has been an important part of Carolina's special teams unit so far this year. But that's the other area where this hits pretty hard: is Carolina is losing guys that did play special team snaps at the cornerback position, so they are going to have to find a way to replace that. Uh, the one bit of good news uh, is Drake May is coming back, um, and that is huge. That is the one thing that you can sort of hang your hat on here with everything that has been going on. 11 players in the transfer portal, nine of them on the defensive side of the football. This is, this is a big one. Getting Drake May back is absolutely huge. Uh, it, it's a move that I think now sort of sets them up when they are searching for an offensive coordinator to be able to attract some of the bigger names out there. It allows them to uh, have you know a good pitch going in, not only uh, you know with the skill position players that they are hoping to bring back, but getting a guy that is widely regarded as one of the best quarterbacks in the country coming back next year, a guy that a lot of people will probably look at, some will even tab as the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy next season. That's going to be a, a huge, huge thing for Carolina to put out there for offensive coordinators uh, who are interested in potentially taking that job. When they go to the negotiating table, you better believe that that will be something that is used to try to get them in the door. So uh, I, I, it, it, you can't really say enough about what Drake May has done this season, even with the slower finish to the season. He still leads the country in total offense with 4,768 yards. He's still top five in the country in touchdowns responsible for um, with 42. And he still leads the ACC in just about every passing category that you could think of. Is inside the top 10 in both rushing yards and rushing touchdowns in the conference. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think it just, you, you watching him, you know that Carolina has a quarterback that can do special things. Hopefully his offensive line will improve in front of him. It uh, definitely took a turn towards the end of the season, and now they will be having to look for another offensive line coach. This will be the second straight year that Carolina is hiring an offensive line coach, so three offensive line coaches in three seasons for those guys down there. It will certainly be interesting to see how Carolina handles that. Well, guys, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Michael Coe, WCHL Chapelboro. He's a sports writer and reporter for them. He does a tremendous job for uh, covering the Tar Heels. He is at just about every press conference. You don't want to miss this conversation that we had with him earlier tonight. We asked him about all the stuff that we just talked about, a couple of other questions about the coaching staff, as well as a very interesting one about head coach Mac Brown. Stick around on this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Back right after this. 
DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. The reason why they have all these great ways that you can play with same-game parlays, easy and fast payouts, and player prop options. So if you want to bet on maybe even some of the former Tar Heels, how many rushing yards Michael Carter will have in a game for the Jets, you can do it all at DraftKingsSportsbook.com. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Guys, I've been using it to bet on my favorite team, even though they let me down this past week. The New York Giants, I've been betting on them all season long, and it has worked out well for me. I've been betting heavily on Saquon Barkley. Mike Kafka, can you please help me out and use him a little bit more this week? You can bet on your favorite team, even if it's the Carolina Panthers, at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the promo code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. There are plenty of ways to find out everything that you need to know about Tar Heel football and basketball. Just go to Facebook, search at Heel Tough Blog, and find the Heel Tough Blog Facebook page and like it. When you do everything, the articles, the podcast, all in one central location on your timeline. Not a big Facebook user? Head over to Twitter. At Heel Tough Blog on Twitter, make sure you give it a follow, and you can follow the personal pages of our talents here at the Heel Tough Blog, at HTB Anthony for Anthony Pagnata, myself at HTB underscore Josh for Josh Marlowe, and at Hack Zubber two for our recruiting analyst Zach Hubbard. Hey guys, welcome back into the Heel Tough Blog podcast. Anthony Pagnata with you. We now go to. Michael Coe, WCHL in Chapel Hill. He joined us earlier this evening to talk about the moves of Phil Longo and Jack McNell heading to Wisconsin. Michael, you've been covering this team for a while. Uh, this is this is about as crazy as it gets, right? I mean, man, everything just ha- you know seemed to happen at one time as well, and I don't think any of us could have predicted some of what happened today. Yeah, that's absolutely right, Anthony. And first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, it's an honor. But uh, yeah, it seemed like everything happened after I got home from work, which, of course, while I was at work, nothing was happening. I felt like we were sort of hitting a lull, felt like that initial sort of wave of transfers had hit and they were thinking, OK, now we can kind of reset, look what the roster is going to look like for the bowl game and then plan for 2023. But no, that is not the case. Every Like you said, everything happened at once. And yeah, definitely one of the crazier days as far as player and coach movement than I can remember. Yeah, and it all started with a report from Bruce Feldman of Fox Sports. He, uh, you know, right around about, I would say about 5.15, 5.30, uh, a report came out from him that uh, Phil Longo, the Tar Heels offensive coordinator who had had a, a pretty good amount of success in his time in Chapel Hill, will be leaving the program, is heading to Wisconsin, and along with him, Jack McNell, 
Uh, we'll follow him there. Makes a little bit of sense. Jack McNell, a guy that worked with Longo um, for his entire time at Ole Miss and then came on to the staff last year to uh, – or last offseason to try to help Carolina sort of fix some of the issues that they had on the offensive line. You know, this one, this is this is huge because I don't think anybody really expected this. Um, you know, Michael, we had seen some reports that uh, or just some rumors, really, that he had been talking to Auburn. Um, there were, you know, a couple other ones that were floated out there that he could be looking for a head coaching job. But this move, this this is as this just does not really make a whole lot of sense when you kind of lay everything out there. You're going to a school that doesn't have an established quarterback that's under a new coaching staff, and you're leaving behind Drake May. What do you make of this move from Phil Longa? Yeah, you hit it right on the head, Anthony. I think when you think about Wisconsin football historically, it's kind of antithetical to how Phil Longo has liked to run the Tar Heel offense in the last four years since he's been here. Wisconsin, they have been very successful, but when they've been successful, they've been slow plotting, you know, keep the ball on the ground, run first, sort of like a lot of other programs in the Big Ten. Um, So I was surprised by the location. I wasn't surprised by Phil Longo moving on, I think I will say. If you had told me sort of midway through the season that Phil Longo would be on the sidelines for Carolina next year, I would have thought, well, you know, that stinks for Mac Brown, but I wouldn't have been surprised at all. The move that really did surprise me was uh, Bicknell leaving. It, now it does make sense that he's going to the same place that Longo is going because they have that sort of uh, chemistry with each other now, having worked together for a season and having worked together at Ole Miss in the past. But with Bicknell, you had really seen some strides along the offensive line. I know they had their struggles sort of later on in the season, but last year uh, they were just really bad by far the worst unit in the ACC when it comes to sacks allowed and you wondered if Sam Howell was even going to survive the season uh, with the number of times he was getting hit and and they, they were better still not elite but better at protecting Drake May this year so that's the one that really caught me off guard and it sort of you know makes me wonder about the future of that unit because you are losing two starters along that offensive line Corey Gaynor and Spencer Rollin plus who knows about the other three um so yeah definitely a a lot to think about with that position group in particular yeah no I I think that's that's a a really good point I'm with you I think a lot of people are going to look at the numbers and and look those last three weeks I I was shocked when I went back and looked at them Carolina finished 111th in tackles for loss allowed and 112 in sacks allowed the reason it's shocking is because for the majority of the season, they were in right around that 60s, even, you know, towards the mid-50s range right. uh, nationally. So, I mean, it was, you were seeing progress, especially with guys like Awesome Richards. I mean, look at how far mm-hmm. into the season he went without allowing a sack. So, I I, I thought, I'm, I'm with you. I think that is going to be one that people are downplaying. But even Longo, like, I feel like a lot of people are, they they look at the red, the lack of red zone success, and I mean I, I get it. I mean the touchdown percentage down there is not great. Um, he you know in in three of his four seasons here, uh, his, his red zone numbers in terms of touchdowns sixty five percent or uh, fewer drives converted in the red zone into touchdowns. Um, in in each of the, in three of those four, I mean that's that's just not something that Tar Heel fans. Uh, you know, can can really get over, I think, especially with the type of quarterback play that you've had, 
the type of receivers that you've had. But I think, you know, if you look at how his overall red zone percentage compares to some of the others nationally, I think you're going to see that it's not as easy to just go out there and hire somebody mm. and, and and it'll automatically work out. Well, what do you think about that, Michael? Because I feel like a lot of people just think there is an easy solution out there. Phil Longo was a guy that, you know, really needed to go. I I, I just wasn't there. Yeah, I, I think it, that's a good point, bringing up the red zone percentage. That is something that Mac Brown would bring up at every single possible possible time sort of midway through the season, talking about how efficient they were in the red zone. And then that just completely dropped off a cliff mm-hmm. sort of in the second half of that Wake Forest game and never really came back. Um, and I think, you know, maybe part of that has to do with losing your starting running back in Caleb Hood. You know, Elijah Green's a good player, but I, I, I think any Tar Heel fan will tell you that Caleb Hood's probably the better player, at least by a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I, I think... You know, the, the common joke among Tar Heel fans is that Phil Longo is great in the middle of the field and he's terrible inside the 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really reared its ugly head against Clemson. I mean, they had, I believe it was five drives inside the Tiger 15-yard line and those produced 10 points. Uh, <laughs> so I, I think the move would sting a little more, I think, if you're a Tar Heel fan, if there weren't some good names out there to be had. I mean... The number one name that comes to mind is Seth Luttrell, uh, the former Tar Heel offensive coordinator who was just uh, fired at North Texas, where he had been the head coach since leaving Carolina after the 2015 season when Carolina went 11-1, and won the Coastal Division, and went to the ACC championship game. I've also heard the name Larry Fedora floated, or, uh, floated around. I don't, oh. think that, that, I don't think that's in the card, but you never know. Um, the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions, Ben Johnson, is a UNC alumnus, mm-hmm. um, and that that Lions offense is one of the best in the NFL. So there are def- some definite possibilities. It's not like th- there; it's a bone dry job market right now. Yeah, I mean, look, those are those are interesting. I I, I thought at one point this was even before all this happened. I had thought about Ben Johnson, but I mean, you're going from being a an NFL offensive coordinator to being a college coordinator, but again, it is his alma mater. So that, that is a very interesting name. Now, Seth Luttrell, you, you brought him up. What what do you think about that? I, I feel like a lot of people are going to that, but I think the one thing that people have to remember with this is that Luttrell is not a guy that, as far as we know, has a relationship with Mac Brown. And right. I, I mean, I think, we've we've kind of seen it with the hires that he's made. It, it seems like guys have to have a relationship with him, right? In order for him to feel comfortable bringing him in. Yeah. Yeah. This coaching staff has, has felt very Mac Brown and friends at times uh, for, for better and for worse, I think. But I think y- you can look at some of the more recent hires that he's made. Obviously he had that prior relationship with Gene Chizik, but he brought in Charlton Warren ostensibly because he had worked with Gene Chizik on that 2015 coaching staff. Now, I know it's different sides of the ball, but maybe if Mac were considering Luttrell, he would go to Gene Chizik, he would go to Charlton Warren and say, hey, you've been in the same uh, workspaces with Seth. Can you recommend him to me? So I think that that connection can't, because of that, you can't completely rule Luttrell out. Yeah, I I, I think, look, I think his track record here from the first time, I, I think proves itself. So I think he is a guy that should get, a legitimate look, no doubt about it. But I, I, I just, I, I just want to caution Tario fans. 
I don't think it is as easy as you would think it would be of, hey, just go hire a guy that's been here before because he doesn't have that connection with Mac Brown. Well, look, the, the, in terms of hiring an OC, it is going to be, I'm not going to say easy, but it is going to be one that is going to be incredibly attractive mm-hmm. because we got the news about an hour after Phil Longo announced it or, or the news on Phil Longo comes out that Drake May is coming back to Carolina. He is going to come back for what many people believe is his second and final year. And look, uh, even though he, he struggled a little bit down the stretch, there's no denying that this dude is a special talent. He put together one of the best seasons that we have ever seen in Tar Heel football history. Um, I, I mean, honestly, I think e- even still, it's probably up there with some of the ones that we saw from Sam Howell. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how how first of all, how big is this for Carolina, and how much do you think it helps them in terms of attracting a big-name offensive coordinator? Oh, it is absolutely a recruiting chip. I mean, I know, like you said, Drake is probably only going to be here for an, another season. But I think now Mac Brown may be looking at this Holiday Bowl with Oregon on national TV in sunny San Diego against a, a pretty elite uh, Pac-12 program in Oregon. And he's might be looking at this as like an audition tape for Drake May to potential offensive coordinators out there around the country and saying, hey, this is the guy that you're going to be coming in and coaching. Look what he's doing to this pretty good uh, Oregon team that has five-star players everywhere on defense. So I think you might see them pull out all the stops against the Ducks. They might not win, but I I think you're going to see them just try to run up the score as much as possible. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think that's a pretty good plan. Why not showcase your guy and show him and, and, and really just the other guys on this roster, you know, what – they, they, you know, they, they could be get what a coordinator could be getting when they come in. So, you know, let's go really, I, I mean, you got to go over to the other side of the ball. When you talk about the transfer portal, look, Carolina lost two guys on the offensive side of the ball to the portal. Mm-hmm. Jacoby Criswell, the backup quarterback, which I feel like everybody kind of knew. And Kendall Carr, yeah. who was off injured, he, he was a guy that just could never get on the field. And it's probably best for him to try to go someplace and and get his career started with the three guys that are ahead of him. But when you go to the defensive side of the ball, I mean, the defensive back room as a whole gets hit extremely hard. There's seven total guys. But the biggest issue is that you've got five guys from the cornerback room alone, including Mm -hmm. your two starters from this season (laughs) uh, in, in Tony Grimes and Storm Duck that are in the transfer portal. I mean, Toriel fans, this is the one thing that I think they are most concerned about right now when it comes to the defensive side of the football. I've seen a lot of people that have tried to say, look, this is this is from a defense that struggled as badly as they did this year. Why are we overly concerned? But (laughs) I think this is something that originally the the, – when you saw Tony Grimes even go in, I think a lot of people sort of said, okay, that makes a lot of sense. But now that Storm Duck's in there, now that you've lost five guys total, th- this is this is something that Toriel fans should be concerned about, right? Oh, 100%. I mean, anytime you lose seven guys from a, from a defensive backfield and five guys in one position alone in the span of about, what has it been, 24, 36 hours or something like that, it, it's absolutely cause for concern. 
And like you said, the two starters, Tony Grimes and Storm Duck. And we had seen Storm Duck, you know, finally sort of, you know, put together a full season. And he was second team all ACC, led the team in interceptions with three. Uh, now, he is a graduate transfer, so he has, you know, served out his time, as it were, four years at Carolina. So I don't think that in a vacuum is too surprising when you think about the time he spent in Chapel Hill and he has a fifth year. Um, but when you pair it with everything else that's happened, yes, it, it definitely sort of raises some alarm bells. And I think if you're in that defensive coaching room, you may have to take a hard look in the mirror if you're Dre Bly or Charlton Warren and saying, hey, is something I'm doing driving these kids away? Now, you would hope that they would have some cornerbacks to, to put on the field against Oregon. And I, I think they will. You have Marcus Allen, the talented uh, freshman who really showed out against NC State. Legend Cavazos, who's been playing better. Um, and then in, in safeties, you have guys like uh, Will Hardy, who Mac Brown is super high on, and other guys like Don Chapman, who haven't announced that they're coming back for their COVID year, but still have that in their back pocket should they choose to return to Chapel Hill for a fifth year. And also guys like DeAndre Borgins, Decorius Conley. Um, Conley missed almost this entire year with an injury. So there are still talented guys in that room, but you just wonder, is it just going to be like a, a skeleton crew back there? for the bowl game obviously but then next august are they just gonna is it gonna be like the linebacker room this season where they're just playing two guys basically every snap and their bodies are you know fight like hell to not break down yeah and i mean even i gotta be honest with you i think even in the bowl game that could be a concern because yeah. you're going to be running basically you have to have three corners on the field at all times in mm -hmm. modern football and you're going to be rolling with five scholarship guys and <laughs> as far as I know and maybe maybe you know this I don't is is Tayon Holloway even fully healthy I know he was injured before the season um so he may not even be available yeah, yeah I mean Mac hasn't said now I, Cam Kelly has said he will play in the bowl game so I, I they could run him out there at corner and just run with Chapman and Hardy as the two mm -hmm. safeties. <laughs> it may, it may just be an all hands on deck operation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's insane to think about all the different combinations. This could literally be one of those moments where, and they got some walk-ons in that room too, that may get their shots, but this could be one of those scenarios where they walk into the room and says, all right, who played corner in high school? Right. Let's see what you got. Um, yeah, it, I, I think back on the uh, the 2010 opener against LSU in the Georgia Dome where like uh, half of the UNC defense was out for uh, very different reasons, I, I might add. But oh, man. yeah, like you said, Anthony, it may be a case where they take a wide receiver who hasn't played a lot and run him out of corner. It'll be very interesting. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, you know, let, let's just real quick on the defensive staff. I, I think. You know, there are a lot of people that are wanting to see changes here, and I think rightfully so. But I think it's about making the right changes here. When you look at this defensive staff, where are you kind of at with some of these guys? Because I think, to me, it's obvious. Tim, Tim Cross, it, it's mm -hmm. just not working out here. Yeah. Um, the, the, the numbers that you saw from that defensive front this year, I think that just shows you everything you need to know. But – I've seen a lot of people that are really wanting it to be one and done with Gene Chizik that are looking at Dre Bly and wondering about him. So, so where do you kind of stand with the defensive coaching staff at this point? I, I think that, you know, just doing what, like you said, a lot of fans are wanting to do and just unilaterally cleaning house in one fell swoop would be maybe a little too quick uh, because 
you, everyone in that defensive room, more or less, was recruited by these coaches. And you don't mm-hmm. want to just rip the carpet out from under them because then you're going to have even more people hitting the transfer portal. And no, nobody wants that. So I think, like you said, it's when Jay Bateman left, left last season, what Mac Brown told us is that he came to him and was like, hey, I don't think something's working. And so they just mutually agreed to part ways to use the parlance of the time, right? Um, so it may be just time to have those tough conversations, as Mac Brown loves to say. Um, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with Tim Cross. I think they, they have too much talent along that defensive line to not be making as much of an impact as th- th- they aren't. I, I don't know if that's grammatically correct, but you get my drift. Like it's, I, one I thing, yeah. it's one thing to get pushed around by Clemson and Notre Dame. You know, a lot of teams get a lot of that happens to a lot of teams, but to not be able to make a significant impact against Georgia Tech, against Wake Forest, you know, even against Florida A&M. And, you know, yeah, you can point to the injuries to Des Evans and Noah Taylor. Those hurt. But it's just unacceptable to me that guys like Travis Shaw aren't just coming in and immediately just wrecking an, an offensive team's game plan. He's too talented to not be making an impact. Yeah, I, I think you're right. No doubt about it. And I I I with the struggles that you've seen at times from the offensive line combined with the defensive line, there are a lot of people that have gotten angry at me for this take. I think you got to take a serious look at Brian Hess. I mean, am I, am I crazy? But when you're getting dominated at times on both sides of the line by teams that are just overly physical, you've seen guys that just, you know, came, that came in as five stars or even high end four stars and just haven't made early impacts the way that we thought they would because they're either undersized or just they can't handle the level of physicality. I mean, I, I maybe maybe I'm go I'm I'm going after the wrong guy here, but I I think they have to take a look at least at moving on from Brian Hess. No, I, I think that's a fair assessment, and that's something that I hadn't even uh, thought about to be frank, but. You know, when it comes to things like this, where you've been, you know, dominated on the line of scrimmage for three consecutive games, um, you you have to take a look at at everyone. Um, take that hard look in the mirror, as I've said about ten times now on this podcast. But I, what what gives me pause is people that we've mentioned so far: Tim Cross, Brian Hess, even Dre Bly. These are Mac Brown's guys, and Mac Brown really values that human connection that he has with his coaching staff, you could see that it really just pained him to the core to let Jay Bateman go last season. And you just think it's going to take a lot for him to have to, you know, pull the trigger on firing any of these other coaches because they're his guys that he brought in with his staff in 2019. Um, So I, I think a move will be made. Will it be a total cleaning of house? As I said before, I I highly doubt it. Yeah, I I, I think that's I, I think that's the thing is is if you're expecting there to be complete turnover, I I, I got to tell you I don't think you really know Mac Brown all that well. Right, because you're <laughs> right. Mac Brown is a guy that everything for him comes down to relationships, and we've heard it when he talks about the guys that are currently on the roster, 
when he talks about guys that he is recruiting. And of course, when he talks about the coaching staff, but I think where people are starting to get concerned is you see the amount of transfers. And really, I, I, I think the lack of development, I think, is what is becoming concerning mm-hmm. for a lot of people. And it's why they want to move off of certain guys. But I, I think yeah, clearly you cannot listen to the fans as to <laughs> what to do. We, we've seen it before where fans just get so outraged about certain things. And, I mean, look, we've all been there watching the team play where we say, man, I, we, we, we could make decisions that we think would make the team better. But you have to take a minute to pause. Now, I will – this is one thing that did come up in my mind when I saw these moves and, and now thinking about just how many guys are in the portal. And this is the last thing I'll ask you. Is there any chance you think that Mac Brown could be mulling retirement after the bowl game? Because the timing – of this move from Phil Longo, just it, it just seems very, very odd to me. And that was one thing that I, I was thinking. I don't know if you've heard anything, but what w- what is your take on that? Well, I, I, I'm fully prepared to eat crow on this, but I do not think that he is retiring. Um, the, the thing the thing about the Longo move is he had the, he had the prior relationship with Luke Fickle. He had interviewed at Cincinnati. And so th- they knew each other. If it, if Longo had just gone to some random school like, you know, UCLA or something, then, you know, maybe th- that would be a little more shocking. But w- with Mac, he, you know, he seemed to, you know, up to the three consecutive losses. But even through that, he seemed to just be enjoying himself more this season. Um, he obviously signed that extension in the offseason where I believe he still has five more years left on his contract. He has repeatedly denied um, that he is retiring. He sort of worked against the negative recruiting that he has said other ACC schools have been doing against him, saying, you know, oh, you're not going to be playing all four years for Mac Brown because he's going to quit. Um, he has been very con- conscious of putting that message out there that he's in this for the, you know, quote unquote, long haul, as it were. So, no, I don't think that he that, that he's planning to do that. Um but I, I very well could be wrong. But my hunch is that he he he's going to stay, especially with Drake May announcing that he is staying. Yeah, I, I I think with Drake announcing that he's coming back, that that sort of made me think, okay, maybe. But there there was that thought that certainly popped into my head. And in terms of the guys that are talking on the recruiting trail, I mean, we know it can't be Dave Doran that's saying anything, right? Because oh, no, of course not. <laughs> apparently. You know, Dave Doran, he does everything the correct way. He only <laughs> talks about his program, and Carolina is the only one that's talking about him. So, I mean, we know that he is at least not that person that's doing that. Oh, thank God we figured out that mystery. Um, <laughs> hey, Michael, thank you so much, man. Uh, I, it was great having you on with us. Um, re- really glad that uh, you were able – um, to, you know, uh, carve out a little bit of time and uh, come on here and talk about just this crazy day in Tar Heel football. Yeah, I appreciate it, Anthony. Thanks for having me on. All right, man. So we want to thank Michael for stopping by with us. Make sure you guys go and check out his content. If you don't follow him on Twitter, make sure you go and follow him right now. He is uh, absolutely one of my favorite people to follow on Twitter when it comes to all this stuff. It's at Michael Co. Uh, WCHL, that's at Michael 
K-O-H-W-C-H-L, uh, and you will uh, get some of the best content. I, just a, a tremendous follow, and uh, I thought that was absolutely outstanding, the insight that he was able to give us there. Well, while we were recording this, uh, we did have a, a, another piece of news that came in. Speaking of the cornerbacks, Tar Heels have offered Virginia Tech transfer cornerback Armani Chapman. Very experienced guy, was in Blacksburg for, uh, I believe, the last five years. Uh, this just came in as, we were, as I was recording this. Actually, I uh, just put that tweet out that Carolina has offered him. So uh, that is significant news for Carolina. Also, Carolina getting in on the sweepstakes earlier today uh, of transfer edge rusher Josiah Jackson from uh, Coastal Carolina. He's a guy that's been receiving a lot of offers, and Carolina also reportedly in the market for a couple of offensive line transfers from Stanford, as well as uh, some wide receiver targets. So Carolina starting to get a little more aggressive on the transfer trail. Um, it, the thing is, with, with the portal right now, you are seeing some guys that are already finding their uh, locations. It's only really a few of them early on, and a lot of them have been pretty big-name schools that they've been going to. So, Carolina, look, Carolina's a pretty significant name, uh, especially with them being a Power 5 school and a team that just played for a conference championship. But especially with what's going on right now, it's really hard to get a grip on what exactly direction this Carolina football program is going. So some transfers, it's probably going to take them a little bit of time uh, before they do end up committing. I mean, we still don't really know about the direction of the defensive coaching staff. You know, I asked Michael there uh, during that interview, you know, what he thought of some of the people that were asking for certain guys to be removed from the coaching staff uh, moving forward, um, removed for their positions. And, and look, I, I think there are still some legitimate conversations that will probably have to be had. But we'll see. That, that's what makes this tricky about the transfer portal, the early signing period as close as it is. It's just right now this is a chaotic time in college football. It is, uh, I mean, it is seriously giving me anxiety, honestly, going through everything that is going on right now. But the good news is, is look, guys, we have you covered no matter what. I've had you covered with every. Thing that has been going on with the transfer portal articles of all now 12 guys that are in the transfer portal. I said I said 11 guys earlier. I forgot to account for Storm Duck being in there. So that's 12 guys, 10 of them on the defensive side of the football, five of them at the cornerback position alone. And we've had you covered. It's on the website. There's a breakdown of each guy that's leaving, the impact that they're uh, that them moving on has for Carolina, and what their respective rooms look like. The cornerback room, it has deteriorated very quickly. And you can go back. If you go back and read you know, some of the first ones that we wrote, DeAndre Hollins when he entered, um, it, it was, hey, look, we lost a guy at the cornerback position, but this room is still in great shape. All the way to today's article about Storm Duck, uh, where we basically look and say, well, there's not really much left there in that room. What is this team going to do for the bowl game? We've got you covered with all of that on the website, heeltoughblog.com. 
Also, we've got you covered when it comes to the upcoming bowl game, the Holiday Bowl in San Diego against the Oregon Ducks. So make sure you guys keep an eye out for all the coverage that we will have leading up to that game. Also, Carolina uh, on the football side of things, as I mentioned, is closing in on the early signing period. There was a member of the Tar Heel class uh, for 2023 that did flip to Miami the other day. Joshua Horton, one of Carolina's three-star defensive line commits, did flip over to a conference foe. So make sure you guys go and check that out on the website as well. There's just so much going on right now around Tar Heel football, and we're trying our best to keep you up to date on everything uh, that we can. Meanwhile, on the basketball side of things, Carolina's lost four straight. They're out of the AP Top 25 the earliest exit that a number one team has had from the top 25 poll in the history of college basketball. And right now, Carolina is trying to their best to work through it. They are preparing for a game on Saturday in the Smith Center. First time in a while, Carolina will be at home. Another conference game, though, and a crucial one, it feels like, against Georgia Tech. We will have you covered on that front. Josh is going to have you covered more so uh, on that front. Uh, and, and he's even been chipping in on the football side of things. He actually wrote the Storm Duck article that you see up there on the website. So everybody working extremely hard here at the Heel Tough blog. But he's had you covered on the basketball side of things all season. He'll continue to do that for you guys as Carolina tries to work through some midseason issues. Uh, and, uh, of course, we'll keep you up to date on everything that's going on with Armando Baycott and DeMarco Dunn, who have suffered injuries here uh, and missed the game against Virginia Tech. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. I want to thank Michael Coe for stopping by with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tarheel! Hey guys, Anthony here. We want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast, find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings, and the subscribing, that is for you, so you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog podcast family moving forward, and thank you once again for listening to this edition.